never gonna see it again We are exploding, the world is gonna know it The rocket like you're never gonna see us again That's right, 8 p.m. And Pure Gold is live on the air for this Thursday night, October 27, 2011. It's been a long yet short three weeks since our last show. A lot has happened in the world of sports, sports entertainment, and, of course, in Pure Gold. Welcome to the show that covers everything and anything. My name is Joe Vecino, along with my co-host and tag team partner, Big Daddy, David Gomez. Sir, how are you? I am doing uh, fantastic, sir. That's good to hear. Well, you know, it's been three weeks, like I said, and uh, a lot has been going on. But before we uh, catch up the audience, let's give out the contact information. Well, uh, let me see if I remember this. Uh, folks, <laughs> if you'd like to be a part of the show, remember you can call us at 714-364-4721. You can check out our website, puregoldpg.com. Of course, you can follow us on Twitter and Facebook, all linked through the website. Once again, Pure Gold, a P-A-G, a dot JV? Thank you, Big Daddy Gomez. You know, let's just catch the audience up right away in terms of what happened in Pure Gold. I mean, after uh, October 6th, which was three weeks ago to the day, Elimination Day for the Yankees, uh, something special happened to the Pure Gold family on October 11th, and I'm going to let my tag team partner take over from there. Folks, the most amazing thing in the history of the world happened. The one and only David Gomez, a.k.a. DG, a.k.a. Daddy Gomez, a.k.a. The Daily Grind, a.k.a. whatever other DG you can think of. My wife had the baby. She had baby Isabella, the most beautiful, talented, wonderful, spectacular child in the history of the world. My child, of course. Uh, my loins, as it were. Um, you know, through my grapefruits, she uh, she came to be. So I'm just happy. I'm blessed. I'm ecstatic. It's being a father is the greatest thing. You might actually hear her make a special guest appearance on the shows uh, in the coming weeks, simply because she runs the show. My wife and I are just here along for the ride. Um, you know, again, the fact that we had the baby, we were expecting the baby about a, uh, this week or no, last week, last Monday would have been. But instead, we ended up having the baby on the 11th. We, my wife was induced on the 10th. So, you know, we were kind of hoping she'd be born on Columbus Day or, you know, just or the 10th, which is actually her original due date. But she ended up being born the 11th at uh, 12.25 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And amazingly enough, Joe, she was born 6 pounds, 11 ounces, which just so happens to be DG, a.k.a. me, it's my birthday, so I really thought it was uh, interesting. 6-11, June 11th, uh, she's born on the 11th of October, so, you know, again, it's just exciting, awesome stuff, and I couldn't be more happier, sir. Well, why tell the audience, too, just a, a summary of how the first two weeks and two days has gone so far? Um, It's been interesting. It's been exciting. It's been spectacular. No, you know, it's just been, it's been interesting because, uh, being a father, I don't know what to expect, so I'm not going to sit here and say that, you know, it's not what I expected. I had no clue what to expect from being a Big Daddy Gomez. But uh, instead, you know, it, it's just been crazy and in a good way. You know, my wife and I are just so thrilled and so blessed. And sleep has been interesting because, uh, you know, she's kind of sort of gotten into a pattern of sleeping 
at around the same time. It usually gives me enough time to go and play some uh, Batman Arkham Asylum, which is, you know, something that I prayed for. And my dreams, my wishes, came <laughs> they came true. So, you know, I'm excited about that. Um, and, you know, like, what can I say, sir? You know, being a dad is just the most amazing experience in the world. It's just a major blessing. I'm, I'm thrilled. I couldn't be any happier. And, you know, my wife and I are just going nuts. You know, my daughter's beautiful. I don't know who she gets that. Definitely not from me. I don't know who she gets it from, and, uh, you know, I mean, my wife, of course, excuse me, I don't want to get the smackdown laid on me later after the show's over, but, you know, Joe, I mean, you know, you have a daughter, I'm sure you remember what it was like many, many, many years ago when uh, Sabrina was uh, Isabella's age. I sure do, and uh, I think you're being a little sarcastic with that, because it was only 2008, only three years ago, and actually Sabrina's birthday is coming up next Wednesday, November 2nd, will be her third birthday, so, yes, I do remember I do remember everything that you went through because I went through it only three years ago, and it is a gr- the greatest feeling in the world to be a father. And I know, sir, you will be a great father. And, you know, there are rumors that, you know, you were actually messing around with Kelly and had this baby with Kelly, but I'm not sure about that. <laughs> yeah, let, let's not get into that. We don't want to drag <laughs> Kelly into this mess. Uh, my wife, you know, I may have to take her out also. So we, we, we don't want to get into that, sir. We need to keep the show above board. So, yeah, now that you're a father, sir, do you think that, uh, has it, you know, basically, has it sunk in yet? Um, I guess it sunk in to the, to the effect that, you know, my daughter pretty much, and, you know, I, I joke and whatnot, I'm not going to say she runs the show, quote-unquote, but she kind of does because she dictates the pace of, of what happens. You know, obviously, we, she's hungry, we feed her, uh, you know, if she's, she took a big old moose turn of a dump in her pants, you know, we take care of that. Um, you know, so it's definitely, that part of it has, has sunk in because it's becoming a routine. But the fact that I have a daughter, I look at her sometimes and I tell my wife, and I did the same thing happened to when I got married. I mean, you know, a year, year and a half later, I was still saying, wow, I can't believe we got married. I can't believe we're married. And, uh, it's the same thing with my daughter. I look at her sometimes and I think, wow, I can't believe that we have a daughter. I can't believe she's ours. And I'm just amazed. I watch her sleep. And when I come home from work, the best part about the whole thing is coming home from work and, you know, having her there waiting for me. And, yeah, she's not, like, talking and, and running to the door to get me. But, you know, I'm just happy to have her and just to hold her and hug her and squeeze her and kiss her and do whatever I have to do. And, you know, it's just – it is what it is. And like I said, folks, for those of you out there in uh, Pure Gold Radio Land, if you hear the baby, then, you know, so be it. She's a, she's going to be guest host on the show one day eventually. She's going to get rid of Joe. Um, you know, being that she was, she's just born, uh, I'm, I'm not able to be in the uh, Pure Gold studios so, uh, you know, I'm here at the uh, the, the crib, the home, the uh, humble abode of, uh, of DG. But, um, you know, it's awesome, Joe. It's awesome. I mean, I can't I can't possibly explain how great it is. And I'm just my, my boss at work, uh, you know, my other, my, my day job, keeps telling me that I look tired and I look beat, you know. And I feel that way, but when I see my daughter, it just all goes away. It's, it's just such an exciting feeling. And when I come home and I see her, like I said, it's just, it's awesome. And as far as sinking in, it, I'd say 50-50. Eventually, I mean, it's already been two weeks, sir, and we talk about this offline. It seems like it's been six months, but then again, it seems like it was just yesterday where, you know, we were at the hospital and, you know, I was getting room service left and right and, you know, spending an arm and a leg on some amazing hospital food. Oh, and by the way, for those of you out there uh, possibly, you know, thinking of having children, and Joe, I'm sure you're going to have another one soon, um, Hackensack Hospital is an amazing hospital. Everybody treated us great. The, um, The nurses were wonderful, and the food, sir, the food. Fantastic. 
Well, I did tell you that try to stay there as much as you can because you basically have somebody that's going to take care of your baby if, if need be, and the food is just phenomenal. It feels like you're in a hotel rather than a hospital. Oh no, it, it definitely was a was a, like a hospital. Where was it, where was Sabrina born? Uh, the same place, sir. <laughs> oh, really? She was born in Hackensack. I, I didn't know that. That's amazing. It really is like a hospital. And everybody kept saying it was so nice and take advantage, but you know, we had some we had some moments there at the hospital, and you know, we were watching TV. I was sleeping on the couch. Uh, you know, that's the only time that sleeping on the couch is a good thing. I think as a husband, <laughs> is, a, is that situation. But um, it was just, it was just an amazing experience, and it, it flew by, sir. We were there for four days. I mean, I was there some Monday morning early up until Thursday afternoon, so I really was there four full days, and uh, it just flew by, and here we are exactly two weeks later from the day that we were released, and, uh, you know, November's almost upon us, and Pure Gold is here and ready to rock and roll, sir, as it were. That's great to hear, and I believe you already went for your first doctor's appointment. Is that correct? Yes, uh, we went to the doctor's appointment, and uh, what's interesting is that my doctor told them, folks, this is it only on Pure Gold, would you hear sports talk, would you hear wrestling talk, would you hear television movies, and now baby talk and pediatrician talk and changing diaper talk. Only on this show where we cover everything. We run the entire gamut of entertainment and talk. Um, yeah, we went to the first uh, doctor's appointment, and the interesting thing is our doctor said to us, which is another interesting thing, side note, sir. Uh, he, the office is literally around the corner from my job, and I mean literally. So, you know, if I have to go there on a lunch break or something, I can go and we can take her or whatever, which is cool. But he told us, you know, what do you think keeps me in business is daycares, which is interesting because my wife and I were thinking of starting a daycare, but he was saying how it's just so, you know, people get babies sick. Babies don't get sick. It's the people, the germs and everything that's around them that gets them sick. So that's a, that was a big thing that he was telling me. So it's kind of like, um, you know, I found it to be interesting to hear a doctor tell me that, sir. That's great to hear, and uh, like yeah, I said, very great. happy. For- the kids get sick. That's great. <laughs> well, that's not great. I'm just saying it's great that your your doctor's that close that in case you need him, he's right there. So that's good to know. Oh, of course, yeah, it's, it's really it's good stuff. I mean, and we're planning on moving in the next few months anyway, so we're gonna go closer down to that uh, area by Hackensack. Uh, you know, maybe live in the hospital. I'm not sure. We're we're that's trying good. to work out the logistics of that. Good, good. So. uh much happiness for you and your wife, and uh, much much health to baby Isabella. Thank you, sir. And uh, if she if she wasn't feeding right now, she would thank you uh, as well. <laughs> there you go. So why don't we get into some sports? Because you know it has been three weeks, and a lot has happened. in in just in terms of just the baseball playoffs, sir, the Yankees were eliminated on our last show, October sixth. And you know we're already at the World Series. We're already at Game Six. We have the St. Louis Cardinals tonight playing the Texas Rangers. Sir, the run that the Cardinals have been on has been incredible, and just recently, just yesterday, there was a rainout, which means if the Cardinals could win tonight, Chris Carpenter can be pitching on three days rest and has a really good shot, in my estimation, of winning the World Series for the Cardinals again in Game 7 at St. Louis. I don't know, sir. I mean, I guess that's true, but do you ever really want somebody pitching on three days rest the only guy I can think of who was really effective on three days rest is uh, is Johan Santana. I can't think of anybody else who um, who's actually that good, sir, who was able to to make it happen in, in that fashion, like uh, Mr. Santana. There's nobody else I know who, who can pitch. It's an excellent quality ball game. I know what you're saying, but I believe Chris Carpenter pitched on three days rest against the Philadelphia Phillies, if I'm not mistaken, or it might have been four days rest. But either way, I mean, I want my ace pitching Game 7 of the World Series, and I think that the guy's a workhorse, so I think that they have a 
like a 50-50 shot at the very least, especially since they're home. I know that sometimes home field advantage doesn't matter in the playoffs or in baseball playoffs, but to be home in front of your crowd, you know, you get that adrenaline from the crowd, and that could carry a long way. So I think that if the Rangers want to win a title, their first world title in their franchise history, I think they're going to have to win tonight, and I think they're going to have to score early and often uh, just to, you know, shut down the Cardinals and demoralize them. But if they don't win tonight, I think that I really do that, do think that the Cardinals have a, a little bit more than a 50% chance of winning the whole thing tomorrow night. I don't agree. I don't think that they would have a bit more than a 50% chance. I think at best they've got, a, they've got a 50% chance because, yeah, again, they're home, but, you know, the, the Rangers have outplayed them this whole series. Other than that one blow, it's been close. The Rangers could have won already. I mean, they've come back, you know, multiple times. They've, they've been able to get huge hits from Mike Napoli, who, by the way, has nine RBI. His team has knocked in 10 runs aside, and then he's knocked in nine on his own. So look at that. You're talking 19 runs, and he's responsible for half of them. I mean, the guy's an absolute monster. Why, uh, you know, our team ends up with, with bums like uh, Tolly, I don't know, instead of getting a guy like Napoli, who was traded like 17 different times this year. But I digress. Uh, I was talking to Angel from Woodland Park about that yesterday, and we're both heavily favoring the uh, the Rangers. And I believe that they're going to get the job done. I believe that the Rangers are going to win tonight, and then by the time, I mean, after we go off the air, but, you know, we'll be able to... to talk about this next week, how the Rangers won it. And, you know, I, I couldn't possibly be any happy for them. I don't like the Cardinals. Not looking forward to them. Uh, if, if they win, definitely won't be happy about that. So uh, we'll about, see where that goes, sir. How about the fact that the, the World Series, it's been a great World Series in terms of just uh, being competitive. How about the fact Wait, that the Rangers are so good? What is the point? I'm sorry, what was that? Say that again? <laughs> I said, how come Wait, the Rangers What is the point? <laughs> you were saying? Uh, the point is, why are the ratings so bad? Why what? Why are the ratings so bad for this World Series? Well, Joe, I, I think the truth is that people just don't get into baseball that much. And Mike was saying yesterday, uh, who just joined us, by the way, that was special, uh, Mike Francesa, who you know is uh, backstage right now helping us out. Um, I think the truth is that baseball has lost its, its interest, it's lost its popularity uh, among the common person. You know, the the regular American, but you know what? He was saying how Game 6 and Game 7 always pick up and the ratings are picking up. I mean, they're doing decent enough where they beat uh, Monday Night Football and Sunday Night Football. It's been a great series. This is a, a series that shows you why you like baseball. Why as a fan, like, I'm into the series as if it was my team, as if I was rooting for the Rangers. Like, they were my baseball team. So, you know, I think people know about it. They talk about it. I've seen Twitter, the Twitter trends and everything. I mean... Honestly, I don't know why people aren't tuning in, but I think it's just an epidemic of where baseball is at. And, and you know, I mean, I kind of want to flip that onto something else, sir. But, um, you know, if you have any more baseball talk, we'll get into it. And then uh, when you're done, I have a little uh, segue that I'd like to get into. And, you know, truthfully... Um, no, wait, no, 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 wait a second. No, wait a second, the, the truth is that um, I'm in the... No, wait, no, 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 wait a second. No, wait a second, Dave. Wait, Dave, Dave. First of all, wait, first of all, wait a second. Wait a second, David, for a second. Let me... Wait a second. Mike Francesa telling me to wait a second. I mean, you know, sorry, Mike, I, I apologize. Um, I'm, I'm about sorry. to hang up on Mike Francesa like Revis did. <laughs> speaking, of, speaking of that, that was, uh, let's touch on that for a second, sir. Would you, would you wait a second? What did you think about that? What did you think about the Darrell Revis interview with Mike Francesa? Because that is what that was a hot topic for about a week. I, I really thought that, you know, Mike was really egging – Darrell Rivas on, but I think that the fact that the Jets had a PR guy on at the same time with Darrell Rivas and, and he was told to hang up the phone was pretty bush league by the New York Jets. And uh, Mike Francis, I know, was shocked that they hung up on him. 
And I know that Revis. I think I think if Revis was talking to Mike one on one, even in the studio, I don't think he would have walked up and left after that. I just no, think definitely. that. Yeah, I just think that Mike Francesa applauded Darrell Revis for being the best NFL defensive player in the game, and he was just trying to make his point that that was a penalty in and his estimation. Out of your homes. It was definitely a penalty. It was definitely a penalty. Out of your homes. The, the referees didn't call it, but, uh, you know, what are you going to do? But uh, I know... Uh, Wait, I don't know. What is the point? <laughs> I don't know what's going on here. we got Greg Giannotti. we got all these people in the back from hitting all these buttons. Um, all right, well, let me ask you this, Joe, since, since we're talking about this whole Revis thing. Uh, let, me, let me ask you a question. Um, I listened to the interview. Did you listen to the interview, sir? Yes, I did. Okay. Well, you know, there's a part in the interview where Mike had pretty much let the topic go, and then Darrell brought it back up. To me, it was just Bush League on, on Revis's part, Bush League on the Jets' part. And people say, I mean, you're a fan, obviously, but it shows where the, why the Jets are the type of team that's here. I mean, they have somebody listening to an interview with the, the, the sports pope, the sports king. I mean, seriously, when the guy hung up, Mike was so confused that I think he went on to at length to explain that, he thought it was some other jet. I don't know how he thought this. I mean, maybe Mike was, was a little tipsy on the Johnsonville brats, but he was saying that he thought it was maybe another jet player who was jumping in because back in the 80s, the uh, the orange and blue, I refuse to name them, by the way, the team in orange and blue that uh, won a World Series, I think it was 25 years ago, uh, yesterday or the day before, um, that the, the, they used to do it. The guys would jump in like Darling and Ojeda. They would be on the, on the air, and other guys would just come in, you know, to say hello. So... I thought that was interesting that Mike brought that up, but I don't know. I mean, Revis is definitely the best, one of the best, if not the best. But that was a Bush League move on their part, and let's be honest, sir, that was a that was, he got away with one. I mean, can you at least admit that he got away with one? I could make got away with one, but I could name you like five hundred other calls that you know teams got away with. I mean, I'm going to give you a case in point, which is you're going to, you're going to totally flip out with this one, but I'm going to go back to 1996. And when Jeffrey Mayer caught a ball in right field where it was obviously not a home run, and that, I, you know, could wait, wait, into... wait, what are you talking about? What's his name? Jeffrey Mayer. Jeffrey Mayer. Wow, that sounds that sounds interesting. Oh yeah, nineteen ninety six. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember him. He was uh, he was the guy who uh, who said this. I like turtles. My point is, any call could be missed, and uh, you know, referees missed that call. I mean, that's true. In my, in my book, that w- that was a pass interference, but you know, the referees didn't call it, so you can't go back and say that was a penalty when it wasn't a penalty. So, but you could whatever. say, I mean, you know, come on, he, the only person in the world, the only person in the world who thought that it wasn't a penalty was uh, was uh, Darrell Revis. Let's be honest about that, sir, because he got away with one. I mean, we all know it. I, I think if you asked Darrell Revis behind closed doors, he'd probably tell you a different story. I mean, <laughs> let's be honest. He'd probably say, hey, call, get my princess on the phone. I want to hang up on him again. <laughs> you know what's interesting, sir, is that uh, three weeks ago when we did our last show, the Jets were tanking. They were going like about to go two and three, and they've raided the ship again, and they're above 500 going into their bye week, and um, they have a tough team in the Buffalo Bills next week, not this week coming up, but next week. So... Uh, I think the Jets, if they could beat the Buffalo Bills, that will be five and three, just like the Buffalo Bills will be. I think they'll be all right, and uh, I know your team is doing all right too. Going, you know, they're in a bye week, and now they got the Miami Dolphins after beating the Buffalo Bills two weeks ago. Yeah, I mean they're four and two now. I mean realistically, they they, they could probably be six and zero, oh, sir. Um, at, at worst, five and one. But you know what? I mean they're four and two. Can't complain. 
I'm still not convinced whatsoever that they're they're going to end up going anywhere, sir. To be honest with you, but you know, truthfully, I think that um, the Giants are in, a, are in a good position right now. They're coming off their bye week. They're going to get healthy, hopefully, with Tuck and these guys. And uh, you know, maybe Ramsey's Barton will, will you know shut his mouth and actually uh, you know be, be on the field to perform. So I'm excited about that. I'm excited about the ability uh, uh, the ability that they're going to have. You know, Tuck is such a presence on the defense and you know the pass rush the Giants need. Um, I mean, they, they they don't look great, though. I definitely don't think they look great. But you know what? Our, both of our teams are in a decent position. And, you know, another thing that I wanted to ask you about, your boy, Mr. Rex Ryan, loudmouth fatso himself, what did you think about his comments about Nor- Mr. Uh, Norv Turner, sir? And you know what? Let me tell you, the, the one time that I was rooting against the Jets was this Sunday because I wanted them to shut Rex's fat mouth, and I was hoping – that Norv Turner and his boys over in uh, San Diego will be able to get the job done. Sorry, give me your thoughts on that. Well, the fact is whenever Rex Ryan opens up his big mouth, it's uh, it usually is good for the Jets because it takes all the pressure off the, the actual team. And his comments about like he would have won at least two rings with San Diego's teams over the last couple of years is just uh, an absurd statement to make, and it's an insult to Norv Turner. So I know that... He quickly recanted that by apologizing to him, but just for him to say that to the media just shows you that Rex doesn't really think when he talks, or that he just doesn't care about what he t- you know he just tells it like the way he feels it, and he you know he doesn't have any filter on his mouth. So um, I understand that every fan except for the Jet fans, I mean, will support the guy because I know that Jet fans will support the guy because he's the coach, and everyone else hates him for what he does. But you know he does tell it like it is in terms of what he thinks. So I, I mean. Everyone's entitled to their opinion, but to say something like, I would have won two rings with the San Diego Chargers is just, you know, you're just basically ripping North Turner in public. And, you know, North Turner never re- responds to any criticism or anything like that in public. And his reply to, was something to the effect of, so would that go along with the two rings that he won with the Jets over the last two years? So no, he fought back. I think that would have been three. Yeah, and, and, you know, the, I guess that's what bothers me. And as a fan of, of any football team, you know, <laughs> is Rex's act going to wear thin? I mean, he guarantees they're the best team in football. Every year they're the best team in football. They haven't won anything. Going to the the, a- the ALCS, <laughs> going to the uh, you know the championship series in the AFC, the championship game, it's great, but you're not winning the Super Bowl. You're not even in the Super Bowl. So you know what, Rex, pipe down. You haven't won anything. My question to you is, though, when is his act going to wear thin? When is it going to get to a point where, you know what, you're going to say this? Shut up, shut up. And then he's going to say, oh, my name is Rex Ryan, my name is Rex Ryan, yada, yada, yada. That's what's going to happen. You tell me, sir, when is it going to wear out? Well, obviously it's only going to wear out when the Jets start losing, and I know that the last two years, if you consider that those are losing seasons, not to a Jet fan, for them to make it to back-to-back AFC Championship games is actually a good thing for Jet fans. I mean, this this team has been jinx since 1969 they haven't won anything so the fact that they made it to the game right next to the super bowl is a uh, considered success i know that they lost two in a row at the afc title game but it starts to wear thin when the jets start losing and don't make the playoffs and all of a sudden you know, right, the well, jets, but if uh, he's saying that we're the best team and you know i guarantee we're gonna win the super bowl and then you know three years from now the jets are 0 five in afc championship games i mean are, are you going to be singing the same tune while they're not losing they're, they're still successful I mean, are you going to be singing that same tune, sir? Uh, I don't know. In my opinion, and you, you might laugh at this one, I, I'm glad that he says we're going to win the Super Bowl. I mean, what's he supposed to say? We're the third-best team 
in the NFL league, and we're going to finish second to yeah, the Pittsburgh Steelers again. Sir, I mean, nobody says. See, the problem with that is nobody ever says that. Nobody ever says we're the third best team, we're the fourth best team. Nobody. They don't make comments that say, you know what? We have to worry about our team. We're going to go out there. We're going to try to win. We're going to do our best, and that's our, our focus. Nobody goes out there and says we're the best team. We're the best team. We're undefeated. We're unbeatable. You know, the the Packers don't even say that. The Packers are one of the better teams in the NFL. You know, the Saints, these teams who have such an amazing quarterback, the top-notch quarterback, you know, Peyton Manning, when he was healthy, wasn't saying that. Oh, by the way, I think Peyton should be voted the MVP of the league because uh, without him, the uh, Colts are a complete and utter disaster. But I digress from that. Um, you know, nobody ever makes comments like, like what Rex does. Rex says, oh, you know, uh, it makes us all sick, and he he makes his little, his little shucking and jiving, but... What other, he doesn't have to say any of that. He doesn't have to say we're going to win the Super Bowl every year because, you know what, Wait, until you win one, you know, again, this is me as a non-Jets fan. I, the Jets fan is going to love him, but i got to think a couple more years of the same thing and you're you're going to be singing a different tune, sir. Well, you're right. I mean, I hear what you're saying, but just remember this. If it, if he's not saying we're going to win it all, we're the best team, then it's not Rex Ryan. This is who Rex Ryan is, and we just have to accept it. Well, apparently his father was the same way, and, you know, he was a bit of a tool as well. You know, sir, just to interrupt you, it's 825, and uh, Todd is not here with us, but we got a great game going on in the World Series. It's already 2-1, to one, I believe. Te- um, Texas scored one run in the first inning, the top of the first, and St. Louis came back with a two-run homer. The score is now 2-1 to one, St. Louis. Well, we definitely have to hope and pray that Colby Lewis can hold it down and that the uh, – the boys, the the Rangers can, you know, get the job done. You know, I, I like Josh Hamilton, big fan of his. He hasn't hit any home runs, but he's been knocking in runs and doing this thing. And, you know, it's just a great story over there. And I'm excited for them. I just, you know, game sevens are great for the drama and the intrigue. But as a, as a person, you know, of, of interest, you want them to win as quickly as possible. I mean, I know you're going to say hindsight, you'll take a game seven any day where you can uh, guarantee you're going to win. But there is no guarantee, and you're going in there, you're up 3-2, you know, all bets are off, Game 7. you got to win tonight. For the sake of baseball, it would be better if they went to a Game 7. They haven't gone to one in, what, 9, 10 years? But um, you you got to hope that the Rangers will pull it out tonight, sir. No, I hear you, but I'm going to go against you and say that I want to see a Game 7 because they're so few and far between, and uh, I do want the Rangers to win, but... I want to go to Game 7, you know, about 13 innings, 14 innings, and then have it decided that way because it's just better that way. It's just more drama, more ratings, and I'm missing the game anyway right now, so I'd rather watch a Game 7 tomorrow. <laughs> well, by the time the show's <laughs> over, you're going to be able to catch a lot of the game because, I mean, it just started, what, at 8 o'clock? Yeah, that's true. It's already start, it's, it's started at 8 o'clock. I'll probably be in the third inning by the time we go off the air, sir, so you'll have plenty of time to catch up to it. So oh, we're talking of, about speaking football. Of Todd, sorry, sir, um... Yeah. What happened to Todd? Where is he? Well, I didn't inform Todd that we have a show tonight. He probably just is uh, boozing it up somewhere. <laughs> or uh, eating he's probably... some. Yeah, he's probably eating some duck and quail and some, you know, that that fancy stuff that he eats, the what, bougie what stuff. What did you say? He's um, he's mucking it up with the bigwigs? Yeah, he's usually mucking it up right about now with the bigwigs. So, you know, who knows where he is right now. But if Todd's listening, Todd, get your ass on the phone. <laughs> Todd's probably lobbying to get his own show with uh, the higher-ups over at Blog Talk Radio. <laughs> You know, we were talking about football, sir, and since my team has a bye week and your team is playing a team that on paper should win by 40 points, give us your take on the Miami Dolphins coming into the New Maryland Stadium at 1 o'clock Sunday. Go ahead. Honestly, I think that 
What's going to happen? You know, you talk about the, uh, what is the letdowns? I think that the Giants are going to win. I think they're going to win by a lot. But if there was ever a game where the Giants are going to go in there a little too confident, a little too cocky, ever a game where they may let their guard down because they think all the Dolphins are the worst team on the planet, we're going to handle them easily, eventually the Dolphins are going to win. I doubt they're going to go 0-16 as bad as they are. But I do think there's a chance that uh, that they may win on Sunday. I believe the Giants are going to win. I'm you know, set on that. But what I'm saying is that if come you know, our Tuesday show when we're interviewing uh, Mr. Shad Gaspard, former member of Primetime at WWE, um, that's going to be a good show, by the way. You're going to make sure you tune into that one at our regular time, 10 p.m. Today is a special evening. Um, which we have a special guest coming up soon, uh, the one and only Justin Incredible, uh, former of ECW and WWE. Um, but anyway, getting back to the, the topic at hand, I think that uh, you know that that's that's the deal, sir. That's my uh, my personal opinion, and uh, you know you can uh, stick it in your tailpipe, sir. I think the Giants are going to win, but if come Tuesday they they lose, they get upset or something, it's either going to be a blow or it's going to be a dolphin offset. I don't see it being a close Giant win. I see it being a, a complete and utter annihilation, or the the Dolphins eke out a close one. Well, if the Giants want to make the playoffs, they're going to definitely have to win tonight uh, Sunday. Because uh, their their schedule is brutal, and I know that they play only one game uh, each week. The Giants do, and every team does on their schedule. But when you look at the next six games, you you think to yourself, man, if I could come out of that three and three, I'll be a happy man. I mean, you got I know you got the Green Bay Packers coming up. You got the um, the who else? You got you got the Philadelphia Eagles. You got the Saints. Uh, and two other big strong teams. So I mean, to come out of well, that I next. Say the Eagles are. I wouldn't say the Eagles are a strong team, sir. I mean, you definitely want to beat them, but I would be a little more worried about the Packers or the Saints than the Eagles right now. Right. I mean, have you? I know you probably haven't seen a Packer game, but like Aaron Rodgers is playing on a different planet. He really is, and you know what? I'm happy for him because after uh, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago with Thor Ramsey, um, with all the debacle and all the issues that they had over with Brett Favre. It's nice to see the Packers, uh, you know, rise above that and win a world title and, you know, win the, the, the World Heavyweight Championship and the Super Bowl um, Lombardi Trophy. It's nice to see them rise above it. And, you know, it's one of those times where the, the gamble paid off. There's no guarantee that you're you're uh, replacing a Hall of Famer with an unproven guy, and Aaron Rodgers could have flopped, but instead he's proven that he's, he may end up, when all said and done, a better quarterback than the guy he replaced. And that is, I mean, how often can anybody ever say that, sir? <laughs> it's so true. Um, Brett Favre is going to be a distant memory if uh, Aaron Rodgers is able to win another Super Bowl, a back-to-back and repeat as champion. So, um, you know, for what Brett Favre has, has said and the way he's acted over the last couple of years, I mean, how can you not root for Aaron Rodgers? He's just – he's a quarterback that every team would want. I mean, he's just – his accuracy, the, the, the speed that he throws it, and just the fact that he can throw out of the pocket. And he can throw on the move, too. He's got the complete package – uh, just wish he was a Jet quarterback. I trade him for Mark Sanchez in a, in a heartbeat, and I'm sure you would trade Eli Manning for Aaron Rodgers in a heartbeat. The guy is just phenomenal. Like AJ Styles. Um, and speaking of AJ Styles, sir, you know I wanted to uh, see if we could segue into a little bit of wrestling before our guest comes on. Um, sure. Today, you know, today we're we're trying to get the show in under under an hour, and we're hoping that Justin will come on soon so that we can get the interview going normally. As you know, if you listen to our previous 75 shows, whenever we have a guest, they're usually at the beginning of the episode. I think maybe once or twice with Flex Raymond, he called in. Uh, he called in late, later than when we start. So, but normally we're starting off the show with a guest, but today it's a little bit different, and we have our extra special eight o'clock start time, as it were. But 
Sir, give me your thoughts on uh, on the all things WWE. I mean, considering that uh, it looks like we're heading for Triple H versus Kevin Nash, and we're lo- looking at CM Punk versus Alberto Del Rio for the WWE title, which I love, by the way. And Punk, I'm sure in a couple of months, will have that title wrapped around his waist again. And he's in the main event where he needs to be, sir. He cut a nice promo on Monday. Um, you had your pay-per-view of Vengeance recently, and, you know, nothing seemed to really change the status quo. No huge surprises. Nash came back. Obviously, we've missed a couple of weeks of Raw, but, sir, give me your, your take on the WWE and what you think heading into Survivor Series in a couple of weeks. Well, I think that, you know, a couple things. I, you know, since we had our last show, we had basically Triple H call out the entire roster, and then, you know, the entire roster gave him a vote of no confidence. And, again, you know, you could you could – Go either way with that, sir. You could say that. What was the point of that? But everyone walks out on him, and there you, know, you no think point. that. Yeah, there was no point. Sorry, uh, you were saying. Joe, you still there? I don't know what's going on here, but uh, apparently something is up with Joe and his uh, his microphone. Joe, are you still there, sir? Folks, I'm not really sure what's going on here. It seems that Joe uh, Joe's cut out. I can't I can't hear him. I don't hear anything that he's saying. Um, and uh, you know, we have our we have our guest for the evening who who's joining us now. Um, I'm gonna introduce. I'm not again. I'm not sure what what's going on with with JB. But folks, I'm gonna introduce the one and only former ECW World Heavyweight Champion, former WWE star. Again, uh, you know, the great, the one and only. We're joined by Justin Credible. Justin, how are you doing, sir? Justin, are you there? Uh, Justin? Apparently, Justin hung up. Joe, are you still there? Folks, I don't know what is going on here. Joe, are you there? Well, what if I, I don't know? I have no idea, folks. What what is going on here? Um, but I don't hear Joe. Justin was on, and apparently he he signed off. So uh, I'm just gonna continue talking here. What we had on on uh, recently in wrestling and WWE is we've had all these issues going on, like Joe said, with the no confidence and everything. I'm not really sure what the deal is with that. But the truth of the matter is that Triple H um, is out of the as the COO. He's doing his thing. I mean, it's always good to see him in the WWE in terms of the ring. Um, good stuff there. Always a big fan of uh, of Triple H. Anytime you can get him in the in the ring, it's a huge, huge plus. It's a huge bonus. And uh, you know, having him there, having him. Hopefully, we're gonna have um, we're gonna have him and uh, we're gonna have uh, CM Punk again in the the title picture. That's always a huge thing because having that title match, him and Albert Del Rio. Albert, as Joe would like to say, that's a big thing. It's a big part of uh, what makes the WWE interesting. I mean, it's been bad lately, let's be honest, folks. There's no ifs, ands, or buts. There's no way around it. Um, But it it looks like, uh, you know, again, we're having some technical difficulties here. So let me see what I can do about this, folks. Hold on a second.
it seems uh we're having we're having some issues here. I'm not really sure what's going on here, folks, and I apologize. Um, I'm going to see. I'm going to see what we can do here. I'm trying to get the technical support on the air. Try to get them going. Let me let me see what what they say. Um, sorry again, folks. I'm, I'm not even sure if anybody can hear this right now. I know that Justin is on the line, but we're having some issues. Let me see if I can get him on. Hello, hello, hello Justin. Are you there? Hello, Justin. Are you there? Who's this? This is David um, uh, from Pure Gold. Uh, can you hear me? Hey, David. This is Dean. How you doing? Hey, Dean. How are you doing? Are you calling on behalf of uh, Justin Credible? Yeah, sit next to me. I'm sorry. We've just been having some uh, technical difficulties with your server there, or whatever it is. But uh, I'll put them on. All right. Awesome. Thank you, Dean. I appreciate it. All right. Here you go. Hello. Hello, Justin. How are you doing, sir? Good, how you doing? Doing good. Listen, uh, I apologize. I have no idea what's going on. This is the first time that this has ever happened to us. I mean, we've had we've had all, a ton of guests. Uh, you know, we we had Billy Gunn, Road Dog. We had quite a few people, and this is the first time that we've ever had an issue with somebody getting onto the line. So I do apologize for that. But um, you know, now that we have you on the air, uh, one of the things that I'd like to ask you, I'm curious about as a, as a wrestling fan. You know, growing up uh, watching ECW and, and watching you. How did you get into the wrestling business, and, uh, you know, who was it that trained you and, and, you know, got you on your start? Um, I got trained by the Hearts Up in Calgary in 1993. Uh, when uh, I was born and raised in Connecticut, and uh, there was an advertisement in uh, Pro Wrestling Illustrated for the Hart Brothers Pro Wrestling Camp, and uh, I called and, uh, you know, got the info and, uh, you know, went up and trained with the Hearts, and, uh, it was a it was a great experience, and uh, you know I attribute most of my success to uh, to that time. You know the the Hearts were great trainers. Now let me ask you a question: Did you ever uh, come across Bret Hart? I did not. No, not in my time up there. No, I, uh, Keith Hart, uh, who is the older one of the older brothers, was uh, one of the uh, principal trainers up there. Keith and uh, his uh, his other brother, uh, what was it, Smith? Okay, <laughs> Smith Smith Hart. Okay. Um... Yeah, we. Uh, I thought I read that somewhere on, on the internet, but I wasn't sure. You know, you read a lot of things, a lot of false uh, information. So uh, when I, I saw that maybe you were trained by them, I was kind of curious if you had ever uh, run into Brett. Um, now, one thing that I wanted to ask you, uh, aside from that, is 
What would you What would you say as uh, somebody who's known? You're best known for ECW. I mean, you had your run in the WWF as Alba Montoya. You know, we we all know that you were there for a few years. But you're you're best known for being just incredible in ECW. What was it like to work in in the original ECW? What was that environment like? Oh, it was absolutely incredible. Uh, no pun intended. <laughs> I mean, it was uh, <laughs> it was just uh, it, it was great. Uh, you know, we had the freedom to do. Uh, anything we wanted as far as creatively, uh, you know, with our storylines, uh, with matches. And uh, Paul just gave us, uh, you know, a lot of a lot of uh, open reign. So uh, it was just, uh, it was great. I, that's the, you know, best way I could describe it. We just really had an opportunity to be uh, as creative as we wanted, to explore as many different uh, styles as we wanted. So uh, it really was open season on uh, finding out who you were or who you wanted to be as a worker. Right. Hey, Justin, this is Joe from Pure Gold. Hey, Joe, what's going on, dude? Not much, sir. Uh, can you compare, you know, where, can you compare ECW to where you worked with, you know, in the WWE for quite a few years, what the difference was? Um, The difference, I mean, I was with uh, WWE, like you guys said, as Aldo. And uh, and then afterwards, after the ECW run, I did uh, a tag team uh, with X-Pac called X-Factor. And uh, even in the section of ECW back in 2006, but uh, right. the big the big difference with uh, the original ECW and uh, any version of my WWE stints was just uh, the creative freedom I had with uh, with Paul Heyman. You know, like I said, he just made it so easy to uh, to just be who you wanted to be, who you felt you could be. Um, you know, he always pushed you to be the best you could. You know, as far as worker, as far as Trying different things, allowing you to, to push your boundaries. Uh, just, uh, just uh, you know, as an artist, you know, because you know, bottom line is you're, you're an artist when you're a wrestler. You know, it's no different than music as far as trying to create something out of nothing. And um, and as a and, a and as a creative force, you know, you just you were allowed with Paul Heyman uh, that that opportunity to just be, you know, what you felt you could be. You know, whoever you imagined yourself to be. And uh, it, was just, it was just a great a great freedom, whereas when you work with Vince, you know, you're, everything is very scripted and uh, handed to you prior, you know. So it's just a, uh, two worlds apart. Do you think, Justin, that the, the fact that there was not that much creative freedom with the WWE, do you think that's one of the main reasons, or why do you think it failed, you know, the WWE version of ECW? Oh, I, I, I think it failed for a number of reasons. Uh, one of it is, I don't feel Vince ever would allow something that he didn't create or envision to 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 get over and succeed. Right. Uh, Vince, I mean, I know Vince is a, a very successful businessman, but bottom line is Vince has a huge ego, and uh, you know Vince is never going to admit that something that he didn't create could far succeed what he's doing. So I think that always had something, you know, uh, you know, it always had something into pull, you know, added something into the mix. And uh, you know, but the bottom line is that Vince would ne- he would never fully get behind something that he did not create. That's that's it. You know, uh, although you know, obviously, you know, he he revisited ECW rather than revisit WCW. He did right. that for a reason because there was obviously a a, a desire, a want, uh, you know, uh, from the fans, and uh, he felt there was marketability with it, and there was. He just chose to kind of you know, once he got a hold of it. And he did the first one night stand, which was very successful. But when he did the second one and then started doing its its own brand, 
he ma- he did exactly that. He made it Vince McMahon's brand and uh, turned ECW into a mockery of what it used to be and what it you know anything that it stood for, which was a rebellious sort of uh, establishment. Right now, let me ask you this, uh, Justin. When you when you were called back in to come to ECW the uh, the second time, the WWE version, did you go into it knowing it was going to fail? Like, were you just there for a paycheck, thinking, oh well, you know, let me ride this out, or did you think, uh, were you hoping that there might be a possibility that it actually would work out? Oh, I, of course, I, I was hoping it would work out, you know. And uh, the original blueprint um, was for it to work out. I mean. I remember that they were going to treat it uh, exclusively as a third brand. Um, we had our own uh, house shows. You know, we were separate from SmackDown and Raw, um, you know, which was cool. That was definitely right. the way to go. Definitely. And, uh, you know, we had we had our own TV show and stuff. But, um, you know, they. Uh, uh, but that, that, that being said, they never really gave it the chance to, to, to be something else. Uh, you know, as a TV product... Vince put that shitty stuff out on sci-fi that uh, was nothing close to what ECW was. You know, that was more like a version of Superstars or NXT than it was of a legitimate ECW product. You know, uh, a couple of matches, you know, and, uh, you know, basically maybe once in a while he'd throw in what he called a, you know, uh, hardcore match rules, which was a crack of shit, you know? So... Yeah, it definitely wasn't. Uh, definitely wasn't what ECW was known for, which is the extreme rules was the was the norm. Those are the regular rules. Now, you know, uh, as far as your career though, you know, being that you spent so much time there, and again, you were the the one time ECW World Heavyweight Champ. What, would you say that's your career highlight, or, or, or in your opinion, what would you say is the high point of your career as a performer? Oh, uh, oh, absolutely. The high point of my career was uh, I, you know, the six month. I spent six months as the ECW World Heavyweight Champion, and. Uh, you know, in the in those six months, I mean, I I headlined several pay-per-views. Uh, I headlined uh, house shows all across the country, and uh, it was it was great. It was a great time in my career and in my life. Quite frankly, I was making a ton of money. Um, you know, working for uh, what I felt was the most important promotion in the world, because uh, you know, being being that it, even though it wasn't the biggest, it was certainly uh, you know revolutionary and important because we were doing things against the grain and uh you know we were very anti-corporate and stood for everything that pro wrestling should stand for so i felt like you know we were doing some some great things at the time and unfortunately uh money got in the way because you know paul basically bankrupted the company to try to stay competitive with wcw and wwe uh it wasn't the lack of of interest in the fans because our fan base, if nothing else, grew throughout yeah, that family. period. You know, because we were still, even at the time we closed up, we were drawing three, four thousand fans to a house show. You know, uh, you know, we did the, the last pay per view we did was uh, Hammerstein Ballroom, thirty five hundred people sold out. I think it was just the lack of uh, the the fact that Paul extended himself way too thin, and uh, you know, for the mistakes of the past, and I'm talking two, three years in the past. We are paying for it in the future, so you know it was just it was it was a shame because ECW to this day I felt you know over a matter of just a couple of months because if WCW had gone out of business before ECW the landscape of the business would be different to this day you know and it was just a matter of a couple of months right if you yeah, guys was. call Definitely. so you know it's just it was just a shame the way everything went down you know it was just, 
you know, just uh, the way the way it was meant to be, I guess. It's, it's pretty obvious. To, it's pretty obvious to say, Justin, that you guys uh, loved wrestling because you definitely weren't doing it for the paycheck because ECW wasn't paying too much, obviously. So it's good to know that you know there are people that are definitely passionate about wrestling. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, we were all very passionate, but don't get me wrong. I mean, uh, some guys were making it. I mean, I was making uh, I was making twenty five hundred dollars a week in ECW. And, uh, you know, for wrestling two, three nights a week, that's a lot of money. That's the thing. I think that's where Paul Heyman went wrong, is in order for Paul to keep his wrestlers from jumping to WWE or EC or WCW, he had to try to compete and pay, pay people um, probably more than he could have, you know what I mean, in order for them what? not to go. So some of us, you know, it was like uh, sort of like today's economy. Some of us in ECW were making a ton and the bottom guys or the middle guys were making nothing, you know. So you were either very rich or very poor. You know? Yeah. Who, who would you say was your favorite opponent? Um, in ECW, I would have to say uh, probably Sabu or Tommy Dreamer. Or no, no, I would say well, actually Sabu, Tommy Dreamer, Jerry Lynn, those three stand out in my mind. Definitely Jerry Lynn and Sabu, and uh, my feud with Tommy Dreamer was legendary, so Dreamer's definitely up there. Definitely. Um, would you say that the, you know, you mentioned how, like, that you trained with the Hart family. Did those guys train with the Hart family by chance? Which one? Um, you know, you mentioned Dreamer and Lynn. Oh, no, no. They uh, The only ones that trained with the Hearts that were in ECW were uh, me and Lance. And uh, Chris Jericho, who wasn't necessarily in ECW when I was there, but yeah. he did, uh, he was uh, he was uh, one of Lance Storm. He was in Lance Storm's class a year before mine. In yeah, he had a, Chris had a, had a brief stint with uh, ECW. I remember back in the in the late nineties. Now you mentioned Lance Storm, and I just have to. It's, I love Lance Storm. I was a big fan of both both of you guys, but I was always a big fan of his in ECW when he came to WWE and even WCW. I thought he was just so talented. Um, you know, do you uh, you keep in touch with Lance? I know that you had uh, you had quite a run there at two time uh, tag champs with him. Do you guys still keep in touch? Oh yeah, absolutely. Lance and I will always be friends. Uh, we still do keep in touch, and uh, he's a, he's a great human being, great wrestler, great role model for for everybody. I mean, I tell you what, he he's helped me in this business uh, through thick and thin. You know, he's a great guy and somebody you know that's always. Uh, you know, if I'm doing something wrong, somebody that always helps uh, bring me back down to earth, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, you know, and again, his whole his whole personality, I always follow him on his website on Storm Wrestling, and I just, he, he tells it like it is, and, you know, Joe and I, uh, we're definitely appreciate you coming on with us tonight, and, uh, you know, we have a, a couple more questions, but I just kind of have to throw it out. You seem to be very down to earth and, and, and know the deal, so let me ask you another question that, um, you know, I, I was alluding to at the beginning. You you trained with the Hearts. I know you didn't you didn't uh, train with Brett because I you know I was curious. But you tweeted something uh, earlier this week that I thought was really interesting. The Shawn Michaels Bret Hart DVD came out. You know that of course details their much story history, which is probably the greatest rivalry in the history of professional wrestling. You said that sure. you didn't, you didn't need to watch it because you lived it. Can you tell us a bit about that and and what exactly it was you saw that feud? Sure. Um, well, uh, during that time, uh, you know, I was very close friends with Sean, um, and, you know, Scott and Kev and all those guys and, uh, being, you know, I used to ride with Sean on every, you know, pretty much, you know, when we traveled on house shows, uh, if I was on the same show that Sean was on, I would travel with him. We would, uh, share rental cars and, uh, we would buddy up and share hotel rooms. 
And, uh, you know, I was basically, you know, an ear for him. You know, every time he would, uh, you know, complain or vent to me about, you know, certain situations or certain hardships, you know, I would hear about it. And, uh, you know, almost like a fly on the wall. So uh, it was just a, a lot of, you know, I, I, it wasn't necessarily bad blood as it was to uh, that I saw two guys uh, striving to be at the top of their game. You know, I, I mean, I know Sean was very passionate about being the best in the business, and certainly Brett was too at that time. And I think it was just, a, a, a you know, more of two guys trying to, to best one another in, a, in, a, in, a, in an industry that's kind of fictional, you know? <laughs> so uh, it was it was just, um, you know, it was really intense, though, because both guys, like I said, they loved what they do, and they did it, you know, to the to the best of their ability. I mean, Sean and Brett both lived and breathed it to the fullest. So uh, it was just an amazing, uh, you know, amazing what they went through. Uh, you know, sometimes the politics, the, the 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 you know shifty stuff that would happen backstage. You know, uh, you know more than we have time to discuss. Let me tell you. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, I can imagine. I can only imagine that. You know, Justin. I mean, it's it's pretty obvious that. The Attitude Era, you know, when when ECW was at at its uh, high point, when when WCW was with Nitro and those ratings and Raw with their ratings, that's when like wrestling was great to watch. And I'm gonna be honest with you, nowadays, you know, with the current WWE storylines, the thin roster, uh, TNA, the way that they run their their business, I, I just don't think it's as good as it was. I mean, do you follow WWE and TNA? Oh, I, I do. I follow both of them. Um, but you're you're absolutely right. Um, it uh, you know you can't even uh, ta- you know it doesn't even touch on what it used to be. I mean, and uh, and it and it doesn't have to be that way because right now there's a, a big uh, a big group of talent. You know, some of the younger talent out there that hasn't been tapped, that has not been uh, exposed, that are just waiting to get out there and tear it up. I think unfortunately both WWE and TNA are guilty of. Of, unfor- of using the older guys to a fault and, uh, and, and you know, not passing the torch on to the younger talent. Um, I think they're, WWE, for lack of uh, what they feel is competition, has really become stale in their storytelling. And, uh, I, you know, I was talking about it earlier today in my, uh, in my web, web show. Um, you know, I feel that uh, Monday Night Raw and uh, Impact on Thursdays gets, uh, you know, more more consideration than people, you know, than their pay-per-view shows, which people are paying 40, 50 bucks a head to watch. You know, it seems like, it seems like they rather, you know, they'll book finishes or title wins, you know, for the, for the Monday night crowd rather than the pay-per-view crowd or for the impact crowd rather than the pay-per-view crowd, as they did with Bobby Roode and uh, James Storm, you know, and Kurt Angle and that whole mess. You know, so I just, I just think both, both companies really have to, you know, seriously consider what what they're doing in their business plan and their model and uh and they really have to change it because right now the status quo is not working i think the wrestling the average wrestling fan is getting very frustrated and is is tuning out and uh the ratings especially for raw are are alarmingly low you know i mean this week they were up to a 3.3 but mind you 3.3 is what raw was doing when it first came on the air 15 years ago and i was pj walker you know, getting squashed <laughs> on those shows. You know, I remember. I remember. I was, dude. I was on the first. Uh, I was on the second adi- ever edition of Monday Night Raw. 
and we were doing 3.1s and 3.2s. So, you know, to go from where Raw had gone, you know, in the Attitude Era up to the 4s, 5s, 6s, you know, now back down to the 3s, I think it's alarming, and uh, as well as, you know, TNA's ratings. So uh, I think it just goes to show that wrestling in general really needs needs something and needs something quick. Yeah, well, let's be honest, uh, Justin. You know, you mentioned TNA and their booking. Now, you you touched on it, so so I'll piggyback off of that. That whole fiasco. I'm not sure if you check out the spoilers and stuff. I mean, I do. Joe and I sometimes we discuss them here, but um, that whole debacle with Bobby Roode and Kurt Angle and and James Storm and you know, st- since they're taped and they're taping episodes a week or two in advance, you got James Storm. Um, tweeting that he won the title when technically he hasn't actually won the belt, at least not to the average fan. And they had this whole big buildup with Bobby Roode, who, you know, is very talented and so storm, but you have this big pay-per-view. It's supposed to be their WrestleMania. They just flushed that down the toilet. And I read the spoilers today. They're Like you said, and it's amazing, they're booking for television. They're booking yeah. for the 1,000 people that get free seats in the Impact Center instead of those 25,000, 30,000 people which is down a big number from last year, the people who buy the pay-per-views, I mean, you're, you're shelling out 40, 50 bucks, and you're getting hosed when you can watch it on tape TV, you know, two, three weeks in advance, you already know what's going to happen. And the same thing with the WWE, instead of building up to the pay-per-view, I mean, come on, you have three pay-per-views in five weeks for the WWE. I don't know what, I mean, yeah. you, you were in the business. What are they thinking? I tell you, it's, it's kind of a joke. I mean, uh, you know, if you, if you think about it, they built up uh, Robert Robert Roode, um, you know, and they built up his character, and the storyline was perfect heading into the pay-per-view. And, uh, you know, he had a decent match with Angle, and it was a good match. Nothing wrong with the match. I mean, I know Kurt was hurt and stuff. Right, but right. they had a good match, but a shit finish, a finish that wasn't worthy of, of Saturday morning television. And, uh, you know, and, and fans were extremely disappointed. And, uh, you know, and then they go around, in less than two weeks, and they give it, you know, they end up giving it back, you know, giving it to Robert Roode, you know, after James Storm, James Storm wins it, and uh, I, I totally think they did that only so, you know, because the the the, the internet people, the internet fans, uh, expected it to win, expected him to win. So what in their booking lines, they said, well, let's go against what everybody's thinking. But instead, you know, I, I, they should have gone through with their original plan. And, and you know, and, and execute. I mean, you can't, you know, for just just for shock value or for, you know, to prove the fans wrong, you shouldn't throw away months of planning, you know, for shock value. And then you end up giving it to the guy a week later or two weeks later. I mean, it makes no sense. You know, I mean, fans paid that good money to see the title change. They knew what was going to happen. You know, and you basically gave them a shit finish, and you know, in an unconventional finish, uh, you know, when they should have just given, you know, it, I wouldn't have been so so upset if Kurt would have won clean, you know, but at least give a clean finish. But when obviously they were trying to get to Bobby Roode anyways, so it's right. just they got their they have their priorities all screwed up, unfortunately, and uh, I don't know what it's going to take for both companies to kind of get their stuff together and just book for the long term and book, you know. With you know, we're trying to 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 win over new fans because that's that's what's in desperate need. Wrestling in the ni- late '90s, the Attitude Era, wrestling was cool. I remember, I mean, I remember like yesterday, everybody had NWO or Austin 316 shirts. Right, wrestling right. was cool. It Not wasn't anymore. like 
you know, nowadays it's like wrestling's corny again. It's like, dude, you like wrestling? What that fake stuff? It's corny. <laughs> it's embarrassing at times, you know. But, you know, but that's the that's the truth. But back then, we knew we always have known it's fake. But at least it was cool, you know. And unfortunately, we're not cool anymore. We're just corny, and we have to make we have to do something to change that. That's the bottom line. Justin, let me get your take on this. I mean, you mentioned how TNA pretty much botched up the whole, like, Bound for Glory, uh, the whole buildup of that. And then you have the, the WWE, and I'll give you my take and tell me what you think. I mean, they had Vince McMahon, you know, as the chairman of the board, and Triple H relieves him after, you know, some story with CM Punk and he was going to fire John Cena. And now it seems like they've dragged it out. I don't know where they're going with this, and maybe that's a good thing, maybe it's a bad thing. But to me, I've lost interest. I don't know what they're doing. Um, what do you think they're doing, and do you think that the storyline has been progressing well or not well? Um, I don't think they know what they're doing, to be honest. You know, and uh, that's not a knock. I, I, I don't think that. I'm not trying to knock on them. I just don't think they know. I think they're trying to throw a bunch of stuff out there and hope something sticks, you know? I think, unfortunately, they all are booking too too much on the fly without any real long-term uh, prospects. I think, you know, obviously Rock's coming back, and they're trying to get him in the mix. And I think right now the only their biggest uh, thing is how do we get Rock involved and get the greatest impacts from Rock, you know. And uh, But that's the thing. They're, they're worried about guys that aren't going to be around in the next year, you know. So um, I think priorities are screwed up. I think they need to focus on long-term plans with young wrestlers who are going to be around for the next year, two, three years. And how about don't worry about the next, you know, don't worry about using Rock so much. Rock's going to be over regardless. Worry about who the next, worry about who the next Rock is or who the next Triple H is. Not necessarily what you're going to do with those guys. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's interesting you say that because it goes to show you that the. And we're fans, you know. You're somebody who obviously has way more insight knowledge than we do. But oh, the I'm, truth I'm is, a fan. I'm a fan too, you know. That's the whole thing. We're all fans. We're all fans. <laughs> well, you've been there, done that. You've been behind the scenes. You've worked there, you know, in front of. We've watched you on. You haven't watched stuff on TV. Let's put it that way. We've watched you. But it goes to show you how both companies are doing the same thing. And I hadn't thought about it too much until you said it earlier that you've got the older guys, and Triple H isn't old, but he, you know, he's he's 38, 40, whatever the case is. You got the older guys in TNA, the older guys in uh, in WWE, and then when they do push the younger guys like a Root or a Storm, they, they they throw them under the bus basically and give them this random title win on a taped impact three weeks in advance, and you know the same thing like they do with Jack Swagger or you know a lot of the guys who get the world title now. So you're right, it doesn't seem like they they seem to know what they're doing, and you obviously have a, have a good mind for the business. So you know, uh, catch us up on. What, you know, before we let you go, what is just incredible up to these days, and you know, what can we expect from you in terms of uh, what you're doing going forward? I know that you have your your internet TV show and stuff, so uh, you know, give us uh, the the take with just incredible. Well, right now I'm uh, like you said, I'm pretty much I'm doing my internet uh, TV show, which is uh, Thursday nights, uh, you know, once a week, weekly at 7 p.m. on uh, www.justin.tv backslash Peter Polacco one. I do that every week, uh, and it's been you know a huge success. I've been very blessed to have that, and uh, pretty much I'm just uh, you know I've resurrected my career. I've you know I've been uh, I don't know if you guys know this, but I've been clean and sober from drugs and alcohol for uh, almost nine months now and uh yeah dude and uh just uh trying to really get uh, the most i can out of uh, the wrestling business and uh and you know i'm 38 years old 
Um, like, you know, I'm not the youngest guy in, on the block, but, uh, you know, with the next, uh, you know, the next three to five years, you know, before I'm an old geezer, <laughs> I would like to, 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 you know, finish my career off in the right way. And uh, that's really what this is all about. No, that, that's great, Justin. You know, I really applaud you for getting clean. And we had, uh, I mentioned Road Dog. we had him on about a month and a half ago, and he said the same thing. And I had heard that, but he's been clean for about the same amount of time. And, you know, he was talking to us about, uh, you know, how he got his life turned around and how, you know, God helped him and whatnot. So he he was sharing his, his, his uh, story and his testimony with us. And, you know, with you, obviously, we encourage you the same, you know, to keep going forward and to, to do what you have to do. And it's great to see that you're doing well and that you're healthy and, and sober because that's obviously where, where you want to be. Um, now, I'm not sure if, if you'd like to uh, even even touch on this, but, you know, there, there's obviously something that I saw on one of your, your web shows with uh, with Scott Hall and his whole situation. So, you know, we hope that Scott, uh, nothing but the best for him. They did that special ESPN and stuff. And I know you know him personally and you're friends with the guy. So, you know, hopefully he'll be able to get himself uh, clean like what you're doing now. And we wish him the best. And, you know, Justin, we wish you the best. We really appreciate you coming on the show. Uh, Joe and I know uh, – we loved having you on, and you know you're a great guest. You obviously know know what you're talking about, and you're you're well informed when it comes to wrestling. So hopefully we can have you on again in the future. And again, we do apologize for the technical difficulties, but this is in almost a year that we've done this show. This is the first time that it's ever happened to us, and it was right before you came on the air. So I don't know what happened. Well, thank you guys very much. I really appreciate it, and I'll uh, definitely do it again sometime. Man, take care. All right, thanks, thanks Justin. Justin. Take care. Folks, that was the one and only ECW hardcore legend, just incredible, and we greatly appreciate him coming on the show with us. Hopefully, again, we will have him in the future. Um, and, folks, I, I, before we wrap this up, uh, we went a little over time than we wanted to, but I don't know what happened. I apologize to you. If you're listening to this part of the show, obviously you've heard the other half of it, but there was a gap in between where it seems that there was no sound and our, our, our power cut out, and I don't know what's up with Blog Talk Radio. I never heard back from the, uh, the service guys, but... You know, that was uh, slightly, uh, I guess you could say embarrassing and uncomfortable, but in, in the 10 months that we, 10 and a half months at this point that we've done this show, that is literally the first time that we ever got cut out, and it was just kind of like, man, what happened? You know, I saw Justin was on, trying to get him on the air, and then Joe cut out, and I don't even know if my microphone cut out, but hopefully that won't happen again going forward, because we have a lot of guests lined up. Uh, we have Shad coming on with us on Tuesday. We have uh, Miss Oklahoma 2010 uh, Morgan Woolard, who's going to be joining us. Uh, you know, we, you can check us out on Twitter, of course, uh, puregold underscore DG. That's my Twitter where I, I tend to keep up with the show and let you guys know what's going on. Um, JB, any uh, closing thoughts before we wrap this bad boy up? Yeah, I want to apologize to the audience that's listening out there. Um, I don't know what happened either. But um, what I was just saying before I think I got cut off was that, you know, I'm not sure – that the WWE even knows what they're doing. We just talked about it with Justin, and i got to say that was a just incredible interview. Justin was a great guest. And, uh, well, he's so not we'll just the coolest, up. sir. He's not yeah. the best. I mean, he is just incredible. He's just incredible. I mean, that's all you could say about that. But, you know, we mm-hmm. could definitely pick it up. I just want to let everyone know that I'm, I'm not sure I'm not happy with the WWE product as of late, but we could definitely pick it up on Tuesday after our guest. So I do apologize one last time for that cutout of the mic. Of course, uh, folks, and, you know, once again, before we do let, let, let go, i got to hit you with a couple of these. Wait, that, what is the point? You know, I, Mike, I don't know why you have to talk like that to me. I no, wait, no, no, wait a second, no, wait a second, David. Wait, David, David. First of all, wait a second, David, for a second, let me... Wait a second, 
<laughs> Joe, is that not the best soundbite you've ever heard? Yeah, we got to get one of those wait a second Joe's now, and then we'll be uh, made in the shade. I just stumbled upon that the other day when I was trying to get the wait a second clip. I stumbled upon that, and that, that was truly, I mean, the only way to describe it is this. I got two words for you. Pure <laughs> gold. I mean, there's no other way to describe it. Oh, speaking of which, I saw Road Dog show the other day, him and uh, and my boy uh, Billy Gunn, Mr. Uh, what are you guys in a basement, Billy Gunn? And uh, right. it's pretty interesting. Short clips, you know, they're goofing around, making fun of each other. At the end, Road Dog shares his testimony and stuff. And, again, folks, I know with uh, we had Justin on, you're not used to people uh, letting uh, letting him loose, as it were. He dropped a couple of S-bombs on us, and we do apologize for that. But, uh, you know, oh, again, we, we, we do appreciate Justin coming on. Um, you know, this show is PG. We keep it PG all the way, and sometimes we can't say the same for our, our guests. But, you know, uh, right. In all seriousness, folks, we, we, we're glad to be back. We're happy to get back in the swing of things. We appreciate you listening. Of, of course, we special thanks to Justin Credible. We're going to reach out to him again. And, and absolutely, you know, no doubt do I, we want to have him on in the future, hopefully the near future, because he, he was a great guest, Joe. Uh, honestly, and, and not to kiss the guy's butt, but he was absolutely an awesome guest. He had some, made some great points and, you know, some, some good stuff from Justin. Yeah, I think we've been blessed with all our guests, to be honest with you, for the most part. Uh, maybe one or two, yeah. Maybe one or two haven't panned out, but uh, yeah, you know, Justin really told that Justin really was uh, a credible source, if you will. Absolutely. And folks, speaking of credible, we appreciate you giving us your time. As always, we'd just like to thank you. If you'd like to call on the show, we're going off the air. But if you'd like to call in on Tuesday, seven one four three six four four seven two one. Why I would read the number at the end of the show when nobody can call in, I have no clue. But of course, check us out at puregoldpg.com. You can follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and all that other good stuff. Check us out Tuesday at our regular start time of ten o'clock Eastern Standard Time. For JB, this is DG of PG reminding you to always keep it pure gold. Good night, everybody.